Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora and hello. I've been asked to tell you about No Labels, the radio show for, by, and about people living with disabilities. The show offers interviews and news about the disability sector in Aotearoa, New Zealand. On Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. Find us on Facebook or go to www.accessradio.org.nz. No Labels, our voice for you on Access Radio. And welcome to this edition of No Labels for November. Well, we're nearly at the end of the year. And what a year it's been. We've had a number of great guests. And again, we have another great guest with us this afternoon. We have Samantha Gain. Hi, Samantha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Thomas. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Great to have you. So, Samantha, you are the go-to person um, for uh, MetLink and Greater Wellington. So maybe if you could introduce yourself, tell our listeners what your role is and um, how long you've been there to start with. Sure. So um, I'm not sure about the go-to person. There's <laughs> lots of people who are probably better go-to people than me, but um, I'm the general manager of MetLink. So um, uh, that role is basically responsible for public transport in um, the Greater Wellington region. And I work for the regional council. So um, I report to the chief executive of the regional council. Um, and the business of MetLink spans the contracting of um, the public transport services that we all that we all know and use a lot, hopefully. Um, and uh, we have a network and customer um, part of the business, which designs the network and deals with customer interface and communications and that kind of thing. We have an operations and partnership um, side of the business, which deals with all the operators and manages those relationships. Uh, we have assets and infrastructure, which I think is self-explanatory. Um, it also includes our um, data team. Um, and the fourth team is the commercial strategy and investments team. So kind of where our policy and um, strategy and things are led out of. So we have a pretty broad, um, pretty broad remit across those things. And um, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a fascinating, fascinating place to work. I've worked at the regional council for um, about 10 years. I actually joined in a public transport role, legal role about 10 years ago, but then I moved into the corporate side of the business and I was uh, manager of legal and procurement and then the general manager of corporate services. Um, and earlier this year, um, when Scott Gallagher, who was the previous GM, left, I'd stepped into the role on an acting basis and then was enjoying it so much I thought I'd better apply for it and uh, was really, really pleased to be um, to, to be the successful candidate through that process. So, um, yeah, I guess I've, I've been doing it for six months and um, – kind of got my feet under the desk, I suppose. So really actually looking forward to the start of next year when it'll be, well, I feel like I know the scope of the role now and um, can can move forward with it. Right. Well, I've learned something new today. And here I was always thinking that the G for GM stood to, for go-to person. <laughs> well, you can continue to think that, but. You know, you know I, I, mean, do have, I do have other people who, who I, I are much know, more subject matter experts than me. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think, you know, you've obviously been there for a significant number of years. So you obviously really do understand, you know, a wide range of aspects of, of the business um, as it is. So what did you do before coming to Greater Wellington or to MetLink? 
Yeah, well, I, um, I'm i a lawyer by training, so right. I held sort of a number of legal roles. I started off my legal career as um, lots of lawyers do, you know, working in law firms. So mm-hmm. I spent a bit of time in a provincial law, law firm in Palmerston North, then moved to Auckland. And then I actually stepped into local government in about in 2000 when I worked at Auckland City Environments, which is part of Auckland City Council at the time. Mm-hmm. Went um, over to London and worked in local government there and did some sort of PPP, you know, public-private partnership type work um, in London. And I came back, so came back to New Zealand in 2005, which is when I came to Wellington, um, which I realised is nearly 20 years ago now. So that (laughs) seems like a long time. Um, And um, went to work in a law firm in Wellington, doing mostly local government work. And I used to describe myself as a um, public sector procurement and contracting um, lawyer and at that time I was doing quite a lot of work for um, the regional council across a range of things but also in public transport so when like I, I have actually got quite a long history with quite a lot of the things that you know are still carrying on today so yeah. I really enjoy that it's it's great having that having the sort of technical background I suppose from that perspective but now um obviously having a much broader you know kind of strategic and um, influence on the public transport in Wellington is a very um, exciting thing to be involved with. And I think that's one of the things I've I've really enjoyed about this show is getting to hear some of the things that people do and quite often it's you know they there's a there's a a flow effect from where they start and where they are now and there's lots of elements that seem to you know follow them through so there's obviously a bit of a, a leaning or or a, a bend towards you know in, in this case um, procurement and public transport um and it's really quite quite interesting you get a great insight into sort of the the the, the background behind some people and i think that's probably what some of our listeners love because it's not just the person at the end of the a letter or an email or a phone call or at a public meeting it's actually a bit more than just that so yeah. thank you for thank you for sharing that with with yeah. our listeners no you're welcome yeah so metlink and, and it's always quite confusing with metlink in greater wellington and i always try and explain to people also like metlink is part of one of the sort of for a better word business units or, or mm. um, areas of of greater wellington so metlink is responsible for you know the the buses the trains as in uh, getting them up and running the timetables etc so what sorts of things um have happened recently that some of our listeners would be interested in, in about either from an accessibility perspective or just um, enhancements to services that will make a huge difference to people catching public transport. Yeah, so we've got a few things actually. I mean, and really, you know, just even since I've been in the role, which is only, as I say, six or seven months now, um, I think in my first week, um, we launched the Tower On Demand mm-hmm. service. So that's been a, it's a really good, um, well, it's a trial, but, you know, that is using a, you know, smaller vehicle, a more, kind of uber type um type of um approach to public transport which enables um people to to book a ride um and to have it pick them up you know reasonably close to where they are mm-hmm. and take them where they want to go so so that's been really exciting to launch that and we've got pretty good take up of that we're going to be monitoring that to see um how successful it is whether it's working in tower and then it is a one-year trial and we need to then take the learnings from that and decide you know whether we um, might adopt that approach anywhere else on our network so that's one thing um 
The other thing that is really top of mind at the moment is the rollout of Snapper on rail. Yeah. So, you know, we had the Snapper on the Johnsonville line for a year's pilot. And just on Saturday last weekend, we, um, well, the weekend before, um, it's been rolled out on the Carpety line. And on the 27th of November, it'll be on the rest of the rail network. So I think, um, you know, really great to have consistency of ticketing across the whole, mm-hmm. um, across the bus and rail network. And a really good um, step forward for us. The um, the old paper ticket system was 137 years old, so you know, probably probably about time we update yeah. and go into the modern world. Yeah, I mean, and other things we've got sort of on the go under development are an on bus um, you know audio announcement system, which um, are being stored installed shortly. Um, so we should see that or hear that um, on board um, early next year. Um, and we've uh, got a tender on underway for a real-time information system, so um, see some changes in that space in the next couple of years. Um, it's a bit of an, an update to that, which likely will include some accessibility enhancements as well. Um, you know, perhaps some audio capability um, on the on the real-time information signs in those locations. Yeah, so so we we're really focused on accessibility. We have our accessibility charter that we um, our council agreed to in 2021, and we're just um, working through uh, developing an accessibility action plan, which uh, we hope to be taking to our council um, in the first half of next year, um, which will set out a bit of a roadmap and some other things that we can work on going forward. So, Samantha, the work that's happening around the um, obviously the charter and the access plan. I, I have to give a, a great um, call out to you guys at MetLink because um, I've worked with a number of the team, as some of our listeners know, but they've been really engaging with the disability community, meeting with people, getting their stories, pulling a whole lot of information together. And just, I, I, I was at a meeting the other week and the two team members um, from MetLink were just enthusiastic and hadn't realised so many of the areas, you know, that that impacted on disabled people, but also impact on so many other people. So a great piece of work being done by the team, and um, and they continue to look for areas in, in which they can assist with and and making the network more accessible and usable for everyone. So mm-hmm. a big call out and thumbs up to you guys because I think it's a great piece of work. Thanks, Thomas. I really appreciate the feedback. And, you know, it's it's a really um, important part of our work. And actually, and thank you for your involvement in it and through the Public Transport Advisory Group as well. I mean, that the advisory group's been, um, you know, it's really helped us to perhaps reorient um, the way that we think about some of these things and accessibility mm. in particular. So that it's a really, really great contribution. And I think, um, yeah, the team particularly um, found their recent engagement um, with various people and groups of people around the action plan to be very enlightening, actually. Um, and, you know, that work is, is in the process of being pulled together. But but actually, you know, the, the whole um, um, aspect of it about actually even getting to the public transport network being quite a significant, there are quite some quite significant hurdles in the way for, for quite a lot of people is probably a perspective that we hadn't really had previously. So really, really valuable um, doing that work and we really appreciate the engagement of um, everybody in, yeah. um, in the community and in, in that work. 
And I think, you know, we all can sit back and read reports, but it's actually when you start to engage with people, and I think this is what has sort of hit home with the team at Metlink, but also those who were involved with the process, that, you know, someone was actually taking the time to listen to the areas that were pinch points for me or areas that were really um, causing some real issues why I wasn't using public transport. Mm. And it's only when you start to hear those stories that you then can start to, you know, you, you can you can put a peg in, in the sand and say, okay, I, I actually get what this is all about now. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, a big thumbs up to you and the team there because I think it's a great piece of work. Another great piece of work has been, and I know there's probably some people may disagree, but I love the single double, uh, single electric buses, single deck electric yes. buses. Don't like the double deckers so much, but I, I love the single deckers. Mm. And I think the only reason I don't like the double deckers is because they're quite difficult with the stairs being near the front. Um, if you're upstairs and you're wanting to get out the back door and it's full, um, mm. quite often you can't and you have to get out the front door and that slows down boarding. But I just think it's a nicer ride on the on the single decker electric buses. They just whiz along um, mm. through High Tai Tai there or or through Newtown, um, yeah. and the airport bus again is a, is another great you know vehicle that um, a is electric, but also um, is a comfortable bus to use. Yes, absolutely, and I can't believe I left that off my list of things that we've done recently because it's been. Um, I mean. Uh, yeah, it's, such, it's a real success that Airport Express. We'd, the patronage has, um, you know, gone up much more quickly than we would have expected. Um, and yeah, we, you know, constantly really positive feedback about it and quite often about the ride, you know, the, the experience of being on the vehicle. And I think it's, you know, the electric vehicles are great for that because they are pleasant to be on and they're also pleasant to observe zooming, or well, not zooming, but, you know, when they drive past you when you're out on the street, you know, they're, they're you don't notice them as much. It's just, yeah, they're a great addition to the network. They are. And I was actually reading an article the other day, which I'd sent on to one of the um, councillors, about a New Zealand electric bus, which has low floor all the way through to the back and is designed as an electric bus, not as a diesel bus mm. chassis with batteries thrown in the back um, and with solar panels on the roof. And it um, mm. seems to be more efficient and lighter um, not sure how, how well it will live up to you know expectations like anything that's new. We all sort of wait and see what happens. But I think, mm. again, good on New Zealand for being up there and coming up with something that they're hoping to export to Australia and hopefully um, companies in New Zealand will purchase them. Yeah, completely. I mean, that's an area, you know, we'll see lots of development, I'm sure, in the next, mm. um, next few years. Yeah, it's, it's good, exciting times in that regard. So we have an electric ferry as well, and I haven't managed to to get a ride on it yet. I um, end up spending too much time doing other things. But what's the what's the feedback been like with the electric ferry? Um, uh, people like the electric ferry. I think the um, experience of being on that is is a pleasant one as well. Right. Um, and it, I mean, it has had a few issues, just sort of teething problems, really, around um, some of the way that it that it operates but I think they've got all those under control now so it is really great to have you know um, electric on the water as well as as well as on the road and on the rail so we're you know excited about that. 
So with the, you mentioned before the onboard announcement, so there was actually quite a bit of input, um, so it was probably even before Scott's time, um, around with user groups providing feedback, just the general public, but also from the disability community. Mm. And so again, I think uh, another piece of initiative from um, MetLink and Greater Wellington involving the community for for their input. So you mentioned that's going to go live early in the new year. Mm. Um do we know what route it's going to go on first? I sorry, I can't tell you that. So one of the reasons for that sort of taking a bit longer than we had hoped um, is the need for us to um, just have some different screens from the ones right. that we originally had, and then we've had some, of course, with COVID and everything, you know, supply chain issues around yep. actually getting those in. So um, yeah, but I'm sure um, early next year we can we we'll, can make available a more um, some more information about the plan for the rollout and and when that's going to come on stream when. Right, because it would be quite good what I'll um, look to do for our listeners who may not be frequent public transport users is to get out on one of the buses once the uh, announcements are up and running and do some recordings and insert that into a show. Oh, yeah, great. That'd be excellent. Yeah. Um, New real-time, that's going to be a real plus in the future. Um, Our existing real-time system, I know, is really ancient. In fact, I was part of a group that was involved with some of the work that happened with the existing system. Um, And at the time, it was like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, but unfortunately, the accessibility just really didn't live up to what the company uh, promoted it to be like. Hmm. And so, you know, having a new system that could be better from an accessibility perspective would be great for so many of our passengers who are either older or um, just don't use technology and want to be able to get that information at a bus stop. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I I was having a look at a sign the other day, which we hope to have a recording of in the near future as well, um, where there's going to be piloting some systems around the city, which would be great to see in the new year. And we might even do some some recordings of those as well, which would Mm. be great. Yeah, great. So what else is coming up? Um, There seems to be a lot, but I'm sure there's always a lot more that um, sometimes just doesn't make it to the headlines, but actually, you know, does make a huge difference to how transport operates. Yeah, so it's like we're really, um, really excited to be completing the Snapper on Rail rollout. And that, you know, as I said, that's sort of a step into the national ticketing solution, which uh, will come to Wellington in maybe around 2026. But just great to have that um, electronic ticketing on the rail network. And one of the things that that will give us that we really, that we don't have at the moment is information about actually how people travel using the rail network. The data that we'll get from that will be really helpful for us in network design and being able to plan, you know, where we need more capacity and that sort of thing. So that's exciting. Um, Another thing we've got on the go is um, a budget bid in for um, Crown money for new trains. This is something that you might have heard about because we actually went um, into the budget round last year but weren't successful. So this is for new um, trains to replace the Wairapa um, fleet and the Capital Connection fleet. So... um, We've been doing a lot of work on that um, and hoping that will land in uh, May in the budget um, next year. And you know that that whole all of that rail network work is really important part of obviously bringing people into the city and a really important connection with Let's Get Wellington moving. So we're the regional council is one of the partners in the Let's Get Wellington moving program, and so we're really involved in planning 
both the sort of initial some initial works and improvements um, around that so you know golden mile and that kind of thing um and also you know further down the track there'll be the, the there's the mass rapid transit aspect of that um so our service design people are involved with um you know making sure that public transport continues to work all the time through the through the works that need to that are associated with that um and and also you know what the what the future looks like the other thing is for your listeners who aren't in wellington city you know we do have a network right across the region <laughs> of course and you know one of the things that is is new because of the way legislation's changed is um, in respect of new, big, you know, large new developments, um, you know, public transport needs to be considered as part of the design of those new developments, which is a really, really good thing for us. So, you know, we're actively involved with um, uh, Pororo City Council and Kaingora and the like um, in relation to um, Eastern Pororo and also there's the Northern Growth, growth Area, sort of Plummerton Farms, all that kind of area. We'd, so, you know, there's, there's lots of future work um, that we're that we're getting involved in, um, and I suppose just just from an accessibility point of view, you know, often when people think of accessibility, um, they're thinking about access to railway stations and you know slope gradients of the ramps and those kinds of things. So there are there are infrastructure things that are at the moment um, incompatible with easy accessibility, um, and through our accessibility action plan, we'll be looking at kind of trying to do some prioritisation about how we might address some of those things and, and um, how we make the network um, more accessible, but and also which parts of it are accessible is more visible to customers. So there's a really big information piece in that. And, you know, we, we at our customer, our general customer satisfaction survey this year um, highlighted that we, um, that the information that we provide, while it's um, acceptable, you know, it could be better. So the the kind of that piece which RTI feeds into general accessibility is is also an area that we're doing quite a lot of work. Yeah, because I think people just don't know what you don't know sometimes, and if it's hard to find or hidden away somewhere, then mm. you know, pe people miss out on finding out that actually. It, yeah, you know, I could have actually taken the bus to town. That actually is one that goes this way. Yes. Um, or you know, I could have taken the train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with the with the new developments, and I think I was reading something the other day about a new apartment complex might have been or a housing complex going up near Waterloo Station, which again, you know, to me is like Waterloo is a great hub for buses and trains, um, and having people live handy and nearby obviously you know, means that hopefully they'll take public transport and leave their cars behind. Mm. Um, so with some of the other areas, though, will they be looking, will you be looking at, say, either bus feeder services into the trains and, or even possibly something like the Tower Project? Uh, because I guess if you live you know, a few kilometres away from the train, you don't want people taking their cars and then leaving them either having to develop a park and ride area mm. or just leaving them on the side of the road. Yeah, so um, just first of all, just touch on the Waterloo um, uh, transit-oriented development, which is now a, called a complex development opportunity, which is a <laughs> which means that um, it's been classified as that by the Wellington Regional Leadership Committee, which means that all of the councils in the in the region have agreed that that should have some priority. Um, what we're looking at there is like the station Waterloo station, you know, desperately needs. Um, 
replacement. Yeah, and, so rebuild. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the um, we've got some land there that could um, be right for development, whether that's housing or not, is a bit up in the air. But but for something anyway to mm. create, um, but you know, some more um, vibrancy around that area. So that's a great opportunity, and we'll be um, looking taking taking that forward for for. Um, well, we're looking at that further in the next um, in the next twelve months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, in relation to feeder services for rail services, that is something we would consider. It's always an option in relation to how we structure the network. Mm-hmm. I think in relation to the new development areas, um, each one's a bit different um, depending on where rail, for example, is, and also the nature of the topography of the development area as to what sort of services you could provide, um, the likely housing mix, you know, the nature of the community that will live there, all those sorts of things. So it's reasonably, um, I mean, it's a, it's a great, great challenge to have to 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 work through what that, um, what the the best options could be in those sorts of situations, but but I mean feeder buses and that kind of thing are definitely um, things that we we would consider um, in appropriate circumstances. Right. Well, that's good. That's a really great overview of all the things that are happening in Wellington with public transport, and I think a lot for us to be watching spaces in the new year and um, getting involved and looking at just. You know, some of the some of the new initiatives that were going to be rolled out. So thank you, mm. Samantha, for being on the show. Now you've got a song we're going to go out with today. What is it and why? So the second song, I really struggled. Now I've got an eleven-year-old daughter, which might give some context to this, who keeps me up to date with what's going on in the music in the music front. Um, I kind of couldn't really decide. I'm struggling to decide between Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish. Right. I um decided on um, Billie Eilish, Bad Guy. And the reason for that is I remember the first time I heard the song, I just thought the the music was really different from anything I'd heard for a long time. And I just, I think it's got a great beat to it. So um, that's my reason for that. And, and I hope everybody enjoys it. Right. So would you like to introduce this to show, the, the song and then we, we'll let you go. <laughs> cool. So this is uh, Billie Eilish with Bad Guy. Thanks, Samantha, and have a great day, and thanks for listening. No labels. Thank you, so criminal Bruce
program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.